welcome to The Breakdown. My name's Mary. I am your host, and I am here with Josh Morgan, your Frisco East Bro Pastor. How you doing, bro? What bro. Up? How you doing, bro? How you doing, bro? Doing well, thank you. you How are good? you? I'm doing good. I I do feel like something's missing here. I know. You know who's not here today? Brock. Brock. I miss we miss you, Brock. I do. Brock will be back next week. He's our care pastor. He's here with us every week if this is your first time tuning in. But here on The Breakdown, what we do is we take a bite-sized portion of the weekend teaching at Hope Fellowship, and we break it down. Um, We have a lot of fun doing this because we get to study and just learn more about God's Word. So hopefully by the end of this, you're like, wow, God's Word is awesome, and I learned something new so I can walk my faith out because that's really what it's about. And so this past weekend, um, we started a new series, Fractured faith. Tell us a little bit about where John took it this weekend. Yeah, well, week one uh, of the new series, Pastor John uh, walked us through this idea that some of us, many of us even currently possibly find ourselves in a spiritual desert. And what I mean by that is that for some reason, we're just, maybe we're questioning our faith. Maybe we're wrestling with our faith. And this could be for a lot of different reasons. Maybe it's uh, disappointment. Maybe it's disillusionment. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we're afraid or we're angry, uh, but nonetheless, find ourselves in kind of a season of doubt and uh, and really skillfully started helping us think through, what do I do with that? Yeah. Ultimately landing on the fact that, this, that the Lord still pursues us, which is so yeah. encouraging. Yeah, it was a really great message. If you didn't hear it, go hear it. There's, we're going to continue that series this week, um, this weekend at Hope, but I definitely, like you're missing out if you haven't heard it. So go check it out. Um, but kind of I left and I, it was felt like John was kind of invoking us to ask the question, how are we responding to people that are deconstructing or someone that might be in a season where they're kind of taking things apart and reevaluating things. And so really wherever you're at in your faith journey, it's going to hit home for you because you probably either know someone in that season, you've been in that season yourself. And so here's what's so important about that, that though, is our response to people that are lost, deconstructing, uh, kind of going through that journey, our response has to match God's response. And so we have to come to that same response that he has and have that same perspective. I think that's so important. So this passage that we're looking at that is a parable, and we'll talk a little more about that, is found in Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 7, um, and we're reading the NLT. Yeah, so let's read that together, beginning in verse 4. Jesus tells this parable. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Now the parable is over, but Jesus continues in verse seven. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Mm. A lot going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a parable that's actually in a set of parables that are pretty famous. Mm -hmm. The lost coin, the lost sheep, uh, the lost son. And so these these are just like famous parables that are so good. Um, highly encourage you to go read all of them. Um, but this is actually written by Luke, um, a disciple, and he's a doctor. So he's a smarty pants. Mm. That's what I like mm. to <laughs> perceive him as. He's a smarty pants because yeah. I'm not a doctor. So I'm <laughs> I'm going to continue to call him a smarty pants. <laughs> but um, what we find is this parable. So a parable 
let's kind of define what that is a little bit, because I think sometimes people can take parables and it just gets messy, right? Like, Is it a fruit? It sounds like a fruit. Parable, like apple, parable, parable. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the parables, I think that you could take a story. So say I'm trying to tell a story or or maybe you've heard like a pastor tell an illustration Mm -hmm. and it's like, it maybe took that illustration a little too far. Not every single little thing about that illustration has meaning. And I think we can do that sometimes, mm, right? Yeah, like sure. we can do that with parables. Yeah. So I think it's important when we're reading these parables to remember that, keep that in mind. And in the work of words of Brock, since he's not here, yeah. uh, be careful not to get caught up in the weeds. Yeah. And so um, I think that's really important when reading parables. But right before this parable, He's actually telling this story to the Pharisees. So he's traveling to Jerusalem and he's doing um, teachings and telling stories. And um, basically what happens is he's uh, basically drawing in tax collectors and sinners. Yeah. Classic. Shame, shame. That's so Jesus. It is. It really is. And. There's a couple people, well, a group of people specifically that really don't like that. And we were talking earlier about Pharisees a little bit. These Mm. Pharisees, these were the good guys, right? Like how we would have thought that um, these were the good guys in that, like not to, now if you've read the Bible and you know how Jesus talked to the Pharisees, you might not think that, right? But they were in community like the pious people, the religious people. They were supposed to be the religious elite. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And so uh, just to go a little bit deeper with that, the the tax collectors, uh, we know one, we love one named Matthew. We love him. He wrote one of the gospels. And these guys were hated, not just by the Pharisees, but by a lot of the Jews because they made a living by helping the Romans um, who were really seen as enemies by the Jews and kind of uh, enriching their own lives uh, by helping the Romans torment their brethren. So a little bit of bad news. A little bit of bad news. And then he had all these other sinners. A lot of the sinners, um, it's kind of almost like a socioeconomic uh, kind of view of them as just lesser. So a lot of it had to do with like their career. A lot of them had jobs that just made them, uh, certainly by the Pharisees' standards, unclean. Yeah. And so uh, just kind of looked down upon. Uh, and then, yeah, you got the Pharisees, you got the scribes, and uh, they just thought they were the bee's knees, didn't they? Yeah, so there's kind of this picture right here that you're painting a little bit of Jesus traveling, telling this. So he's about to tell this story, but these are the people that he's telling this story to because these tax collectors and sinners were so drawn to Jesus, and the Pharisees didn't like it. They were grumbling, complaining, yeah. didn't like that Jesus was very specifically eating with sinners. So, you know, having communion and by communion, I'm not talking uh, the bread and the wine or anything like that. I'm talking just communing with people that were lesser and no good. And I, and before we get into this, one last thing as um, when I hear this, you know, when we're talking about a parable, um, there was uh, King David and prophet, the prophet, his prophet, Nathan, who was kind of someone he would listen to and kind of get wisdom about what to do and what what God's voice was to the nation. And David himself needed a parable to see things clearly in his own life. And so it's a different situation, but Nathan used a story to 
tell this story and say, basically, David, that's you. And David never saw himself as the villain in that situation, but the parable was used to bring that to light to David. So that's kind of what Jesus is about to do with the Pharisees. He's about to tell a story in response to them complaining about him eating with sinners. Mm -hmm. Boom. So go ahead and jump into verse four for us and and take us through this. Yeah. So let's read verse four again uh, before we start breaking it down here. So Jesus says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? A couple mm. of interesting things to keep in mind here. Some translations say, uh, imagine that you're a shepherd. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in response to their grumbling about him hanging out with uh, the, the sinners and tax collectors. So in response to that, he's now looking to them and saying, hey, imagine that you're a shepherd. Imagine that one of your sheep runs away. Which shepherding is like common. So they're going to know a little bit about shepherding, by the way. So that's like yeah. a common workplace thing back in this time. Absolutely. They, yeah. As soon as he starts telling this parable, <laughs> as probably often happens when Jesus tells parables, all sorts of stuff's probably coming to mind. Yeah, imagery that he's using, all of that. They're going to understand that. And so some of the interesting things about the fact that he's saying, hey, imagine that you're a shepherd, is Jesus is trying to get the Pharisees to, to share God's perspective by first having them consider a shepherd's perspective. And the Pharisees, again, being uh, per- perceiving themselves as the religious elite, as the clean ones, um, already are probably going to be caught off guard by this because shepherds, uh, because of their career, are inherently uh, unclean people, probably yeah. both because of their actual job and just by the standards of the temple and so and so forth. Uh, and so, so he is saying, "Hey, put let let's start to try to like give you some perspective of God by giving you this perspective of the shepherds." And then he tells this story about this uh, this sheep running astray. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it is interesting to to think about the fact that he's leaving the ninety nine for the sake of the one. I don't think that he's. Uh, insinuating that the 99 sheep aren't important. Yeah. He's just emphasizing the fact that the one is important enough that he's going to go after it. Yes. The value of that lost sheep is so significant Mm -hmm. that it compels him to move the shepherd. Which is just really, really uh, a beautiful thing to consider. It really is. And something that caught my attention as well, uh, again, considering the fact that he's referring to the Pharisees, is, is when I read back through this, I, I realized, oh, he's saying that that the 99 others are in the wilderness. And so I don't know that that Jesus is referring back to like the Exodus and Israel wandering in the wilderness and things like that. But again, uh, it is really interesting that that they are uh, within the wilderness and that that might be something that comes comes to mind. And so he's he's just starting to tell this parable as painting a really interesting picture. Um, and then he moves on to verse 5. Uh, when the sheep was found, he's joyfully going to carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. Yeah. And I love just to cut in really quick. I love that. Like it's really easily broken up. He's like, Hey, imagine this, ask the question and then answer it. Like, it's like a question response kind of set up here. It's like, what would he do? And he knows the answer. And he says, this is obviously what he would do. Um, You know, I love that kind of like super clear imagery there. Yeah. 
Yeah, when Jesus tells parables, there's this assumption mm-hmm. to uh, agree with him, you know. And so you're you really it's almost like a line's being drawn, and you're really in one of two groups: either the the ones that agree with what he's saying because it's obvious or the ones who are really making an effort to disagree with them mm-hmm. at this point, right? And so he's telling this parable and, you know, you just start thinking through that. And it's like, well, obviously the shepherd would leave the 99 to go find the one. Uh, obviously, when he finds the one, he's going to rejoice. Uh, and then there's just also this assumption now that when he brings that sheep home, that there's going to be this big celebration that yeah. everyone's going to celebrate about the fact that this lost sheep has been found. Yeah, which is actually not to spoiler alert too much, but a very similar theme in the next two parables that you would find, you know, the ones I was talking about, the lost son and the lost coin, Mm -hmm. kind of that celebration and that joy. That's such a huge marker, I think. If we lose that, like that's so big in this, I think. Yeah, and and so it, it is, it's very big, it's significant. And Jesus clearly wants the Pharisees to, uh, acknowledge this. So the the appropriateness of the celebration, uh, the fact that the lost have been found. Yeah. Which is in pretty stark contrast to their grumbling. Yeah, it's the opposite. To. Total we opposite. We missed it. Totally opposite. <laughs> and so, so uh, yeah, it is. And so if you so if you think about it, the the Pharisees who they think they've got it all figured out, they don't they don't uh they don't see the need to be found. Yeah. And yet Jesus is painting this really interesting uh, painting specifically about the lost sheep, but he's mm-hmm. starting to fold them on that as well yeah. in a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the uh, things that I, th- I, this is, so Jesus is not specifically referring to like the Old Testament necessarily, but the way in which he says stuff often um, uh, very closely like, alludes to some of the stuff that we see in the Old Testament. And so uh, some commentators believe that he might even be referring to Ezekiel chapter 34. Mm -hmm. But then even if he's not specifically referring to it, that there's a really good chance that that chapter is going to come to the listener's mind as he's saying it. So I thought it would be kind of cool to look back at, at, in in light of us reading this parable, look back at Ezekiel 34. Well, in the Pharisees, they knew like, like scripture, not as we know scripture, but they knew from like, back. yes. So like if, if he's going to reference something like from Ezekiel, they're going to know, yeah. like it's going to boom, like they know it. Yeah. And so, and so again, I'm not saying that Luke is trying to tell us that Jesus is referring to Ezekiel 34. Yeah. Which could be weedy. It could, we could be <laughs> on the weeds. That. It yeah. could be weedy. <laughs> it could be. Uh, but as I read some of Ezekiel 34. Yeah. Just listen to the way that that this Old Testament prophet is saying what he's saying. So the Lord's speaking through a similar him, message. Then, then kind of relate that to what Jesus is is telling the Pharisees right mm-hmm. here. So, so what's cool about Ezekiel thirty four is it's it's broken up into three sections, and and I kind of think of them as uh, the bad shepherds of Israel, the good shepherd, and then the last section is called the Lord's covenant of peace. And so um, that's not what uh, the original author wrote. You know, that's what scholars. Um, you know, uh, much later as they divided the book into chapters and they broke it into sections, that's kind of how they described those different sections. But just listen to this. I just pulled certain verses out of this long chapter. But so when it comes to, to the bad shepherds of Israel, this is a message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves 
instead of your flocks. You let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You've not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. You didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. Sounds pretty Ouch. similar. Yeah, that sounds pretty similar, right? So then the next verse, uh, which which whoever titled it this is titled The Good Shepherd, says, because of this, I myself will search and find my sheep. I'll be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I'll find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. I will bring them back home. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. Then uh, you brought up David earlier. Mm -hmm. So Ezekiel actually refers to David here. He says, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. Mm -hmm. Now here he's using David uh, as That's interesting. a reference to, to the coming Messiah because mm -hmm. David was in the lineage of the Messiah. He'll feed them and be a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant, he's referring to Jesus, will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. So it's a really interesting uh, parallel, if nothing else, to Ezekiel 34. But listen to this. This is the covenant that God uh, makes at the end of that chapter through Ezekiel. He says, in this way, they will know that I'm the Lord their God. I'm with them. And they will know that, the, uh, that they're the people of Israel. They're my people. You are my flock, the shepherd of my pasture. You are my people, and I'm your God. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Yeah. Really, really cool. Yeah, and those are such big characters in this parable. Thinking the parable alone, like, okay, so we talked about a little bit, you know, Old Testament. He kind of covered that a little bit. But at the end of the day, in this parable, key character, shepherd, key character, sheep. <laughs> and that is that imagery that's invoked from the Old Testament so easily. And it's not like in the church today, we're like, oh, sheep, let's call, let's call each other sheep. <laughs> and when they get a lot, you know, like we didn't come up with that. That wasn't like a right. cool imagery for us. That was like you mentioned, you know, from something that they would understand and that they would know as like a lost person. So, and then shepherd being like those kind of leaders over them. Yeah. And Jesus like, he he was just kind of known for, you know, putting the Pharisees in their place and the people that would have been considered these shepherds. And yeah, so yeah. that wasn't like he was just now saying that. He's like definitely right. made that a point in the Gospels. Yep. So while it's not explicitly being said, it's also not unlikely yeah. that the listeners are thinking about this. Yeah. And so then verse 7, so to end this little passage that we're looking at, Jesus has now ended his parable, but, but now he's kind of, Summing it up in this sentence, he says, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't stayed away. I kind of like that he told them kind of what it meant. Because yeah. I feel like there are other ones where he's like, and they didn't understand. Yeah, and then the disciples <laughs> are like, hey, Jesus, what do you mean? I wish I wish we would have known. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, hey, if you didn't get that story, here we go, verse seven. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so what are some, I just kind of drew some bullet points out. Uh, you know, so what's God saying here? I mean, it's pretty significant that, that 99 self-righteous people who keep all the rituals, festivals and rules bring no joy to heaven. Ugh. I mean, that's got to be like a slam for the guys who kind of center their whole life on those very things. Yeah, yeah. That perplexes me. And yet one sinner <laughs> confessing his sin and repenting sets uh, sets off party time in heaven. 
Yeah. They're they're going crazy over that, right? It's that upside down kingdom, which is a, a lot of times what's contributed to Luke. That yeah. upside down, backwards thinking, like this is not what we would have thought kind of mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Did you just say perplexed? I did say perplexed. Tell me, tell me more about that. <laughs> so, you know, if you've been with us before, uh, Brock is the conundrum guy. <laughs> He's got a conundrum. And I thought, you know what? I'm not really conundrum did. Hmm. That's a word now. Um, I'm perplexed because... Exactly what you just said. I think so often um, we get that backwards. And not only that, but when I hear this, I just think it is so easy to not see who we are in the story, not understand um, the impact that that we're making and how it could be wrong. Kind of like we're missing the point. That, that scares me yeah, sometimes to even think about like that. I could do everything right. And what we can learn from this, one of the really big things we can learn from this is that's not it. That's not it. It's the joy of God's heart for people, for the loss, for us. Am I seeing this as something to celebrate or am I seeing this as something that's like, okay, you're not really, you're not really meeting the mark, you know? And so I think that that's just so incredible. Yeah, it really is. And how important to see to grow in our understanding yeah. of how God views these things yeah. and how amazing is it that he shows us mm-hmm. pretty simply that he shows us how even more amazing that he pursues us mm-hmm. as, as the good shepherd that he is. Yeah. So good. So that's our verse for today. Luke 15 verse four through seven. Um, so good. I hope, I hope that you're encouraged and I hope that you are, um, perplexed. <laughs> I hope you're perplexed. Um, join us next week. And, and um, every single week we do this podcast. So join us. You can subscribe, but join us for service, whether that's online or in person at one of our campuses, because we're continuing this Fractured Faith series. And I know I mentioned this earlier, but last week was so good. And if you've yeah, never really heard was. of deconstruction, if you are like, I don't know what you're talking about, Um, This is a really, really big in culture today. And so I would highly recommend um, watching that last weekend and joining us this weekend at Hope. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you next week. Adios. Adios.